Hi, everyone, and welcome to, we're back again to the Neil Haley Show on the Caregiver Dave Celebrity Segment. And I'm excited to welcome to the program, Caregiver Dave Nassani. Dave, hey, how are you? I I'm awesome. excited. Yeah, I'm excited. We got Jeannie Seeley here from Classic Country. She's an American singer, songwriter, record producer. She also had several acting credits, published several songs, and uh, Grammy Award, uh, Don't Touch Me. And uh, just welcome to the show, Jeannie. Thank you so much. Good to have you on. I did all that. It you just... did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, like, let's take us back really quickly, Jeannie, to think about that time when you wanted to be a singer. When did that come up that you said, I want to be a singer and a performer? How oh, I knew when I was eight years old <clears throat> what I wanted to do and where I wanted to do it, actually. Um, of course, I grew up. Uh, during World War II, earliest memories and Ernest Tubb and listening to the Grand Old Opry. And uh, so I just knew, I often tell people it wasn't just to perform on that stage that made its impact on me. I That sounded like a family, like a close group yeah. of friends that laughed together, sang <laughs> together, had fun, joked with each other. And I wanted that too. I wanted to be a part of that. So I remember I was in a little school program in third grade. I was eight years old and, and I heard the little bit of applause and it's like, yeah, <laughs> now I know for sure this is awesome. what I want to do. Yeah. A lot of stars uh, have that vision at a young age, eight years mm -hmm. old, typically. Um, I wanted to ask you, because uh, you come from classic country, right? Mm -hmm. So what's what's your opinion of how country has evolved, you know, from from classic country, which I love, to some of the stuff we're hearing today? Well, you know, every decade, every generation brings their own styles, their own message in their songs. And I think that country music, maybe more than any other, has always reflected the ordinary life we live. Uh -huh. I know that's the way I've always felt. I'm no that's different than any other American girl. I just sing and write songs for a living. So I think that it's just natural uh, that it changes. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's just not the same. Well, when I got here, it wasn't the same. I mean, <laughs> I remember getting criticism because I had strings on some of my early records uh, instead of fiddle. And with all due respect to Kitty Wells, uh, I didn't want that sound of steel guitar. I wanted Buddy Emmons. So I think every generation brings in their own sound. And if we don't like it, maybe it's not, or maybe we're not in that generation anymore. But yeah. there's some incredible new talent out there. I am blown away by, by some of the young female entertainers and the songs. Do you have a favorite? Writing. Carly Pierce is very special to me. Cool. And I've watched her grow and develop her talent since the early days at Dollywood and we became friends and actually kind of neighbors here. And uh, I've always been impressed by Carly's work ethic from a young age. And so I like to point her out when I'm talking to people and young people, especially that want to do this, say, don't be taken away by the lights, the costumes, and the glamour, because there's a lot of hard work behind yeah. it. 
a lot of tedious hours and a lot of miles on the road and it's <laughs> lonesome out there sometimes too. Let's talk about work ethic. You talked about how you like certain people's work ethic. Would you say, especially making it, you had to work really hard. Eight years old, you figured out this is what I wanted to do. When did that mm. work ethic come up, come into being and see it? How much do you think that was why you became successful as a singer is because of your work ethic? Well, I think that was really hammered into me and my family, which I'm at the time I fussed, of course, about my chores and all. But looking back, I'm so grateful for that. But yes, at eight, wanting to do it, I started radio in Meadville, Pennsylvania when I was 11. And then I started working with the dance band when I was 13. And in my teenage years, uh, it was actually on Sunday nights, I remember we were working like this dinner club, dinner, dance, everything club up in Erie. And like every other kid, I left my homework till Sunday night. So I would get up and sing some songs and then I'd go back in the corner where they had a light set up for me and do homework. And so, yeah, I always multitask. And later when I went to work, I went, in, went to work on a bank when I got out of school, but I was still singing the weekend. So I drug in pretty tired some Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> but the work, work week went on anyway. So, yeah, I, um, I'm i glad that I had that kind of uh, background. And um, I still work all the time. And but, that's, and, and but I love something. what I do. See, Dave, <laughs> isn't there something about work? Once you have that hard work ethic, it doesn't disappear, does it, Dave? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. It all come from the Bible Belt. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. My mom quoted that too, and well, in the old saying, you know, find something you love to do. Then That's it's right. not hard work, and it's yes. a passion, and it's just my joy. It just simply yeah. is. Now, Jeannie, back in the seventies, as you know, uh, that the country show Hee Haw really brought a lot of attention to country music, and was the cause of a lot of crossovers. Uh, where were you during Hee Haw? And were you pretty supportive of it? I'm sure you were. I was supportive of it. And I made several guest appearances on the show. Uh, I thought Hee Haw was good in, in a lot of ways. And also I had some problems with it. I had some issues. I wanted to make, I thought that the comedy things, some of the comedy came off as comedy. But I was also afraid at times you're you're not you're not funny enough. This is looking like you're putting people down. I didn't like that. My other problem was it with it. I didn't think that it represented women in the way I wanted us represented on a regular basis. If you think back, right. it was either the character, the toothless uh, hair and curlers yeah. that, that Ronnie Stoneman played or to the ditzy blonde, the big bosoms, yeah, dumb, short shorts, yeah. honey honeys or whatever. You had Roy Clark and uh, Buck Owens, both as straight on country stars, yeah, yeah. but you didn't have a female representative in that way. And that's yeah. what that's the really thing that about you, Jeannie, is that you represented women and there were not 
a ton of country women stars when you were starting out, right? To look up to and, and say that this is what I want to be. Would you agree? Right. There were very few before me. And that's why I think I had a lot of influence on the pop singers from the 50s. Remember, there was a show called The Hit Parade in the 50s where we saw Patti Page and um, I can't even think, Teresa Brewer. I remember, love Teresa Brewer. And a lot of the um, pop singers is what I I tried to emulate them and their their presence on stage and and because that's really like you say all I had to to look up to to learn from. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in the music industry. Things just aren't done the same way they were done before. Uh, how about some insights about the direction that you see the industry going uh, and maybe the future? Well, you know, who knows? I, I never even dreamed of a time we would have the technology to be doing what we're doing now. I mean, and who knows that technology is changing so fast. I mean, something two years ago was out of date now. And of course, with the pandemic, who knew we could change so fast to what we're doing also. So I really have no idea. I'm very technically challenged. <laughs> if anything, if it goes exactly like planned, I'm, I can do it. But if not, I'm hollering at Bev real quick. <laughs> well, I don't know. You got a golden microphone there. That's oh, pretty impressive. Yeah, well, that's what I'm used to, you know. <laughs> but a lot of, um, you know, like when people will ask me how to for a young artist and I just have to be honest and say I would have no idea how to start today the yeah, only totally thing different. I can say that's always consistent is sing wherever you can talk wherever you can so you hopefully somebody's listening yeah. and will pay attention that that's, hasn't changed absolutely and I think it also has music live on the new technology allows people to enjoy your music that maybe at times when it was a certain fad and everyone gave up in a certain style of music, say, okay, that's old. We're not getting only oldies. Now everyone younger are getting to listen to your music. How does that feel? Oh, I think it's wonderful. When I hear some of the people say, well, I, you know, I don't like any of this stuff today and you can't hear what, what, uh, what I really like. Well, I disagree because again, with age of technology, we are so fortunate. We can find and hear and see anything we want any time yeah. of the day or night. So I think things are better than they used to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I wanted to ask you um, about uh, your writing. You're still writing. Yeah. Yes, I am. So uh, are you writing for other artists as well? Well, I don't usually write for somebody. I just have an idea or a feeling and I write it and where mm -hmm. it lands, that's, you know, who knows. But uh, the most recent thing was a song that uh, I wrote with Bobby Tomberlin and Aaron Enderlin, a song called Like I Could that Rhonda uh, Vincent, I just was telling her that I had never done a writing appointment uh, in all the years that I had written. <laughs> and then this was my first one. And I was real happy about the song. She said, well, 
can I hear it? And so I wasn't even <laughs> pitching the song. I was just telling her the story and saying she loved it. So she took it all the way to number one in the bluegrass. Wow. Chart. So That's the way to go. Of that. Yeah. And I got several of them started. And of course, about the time I got brave enough to do a writing <laughs> appointment. Everything closed down, so <laughs> we can't get together. So I don't know. Well, I haven't there's, tried there's still the, Zoom. Yeah, I haven't tried the Zoom writing yet, but Steve Warner's doing it. So if Steve can do it. I can do it. That's right. <laughs> now, so let's talk a little bit about writing. What? How, how do you get your creative juices going to write songs? Well, it's usually if I get an idea that I know is good, it's different, it's fresh, um, then I get excited about it to just, I still haven't done the appointment where you just go in and say, okay, what are we going to write about today? <laughs> I still haven't done one of those, but I'm keeping notes all the time because there again, I'm told that it's okay to go to a writing session without some idea that's just burning in your heart and brain. Yeah. That sometimes when you get in that network, that it, that it inspires you to come out with something. So I'm looking forward to the first time for that. So I'm sure you've done a lot of tours in your career. Uh, do they take a lot out of you? And are, are you still doing tours? I don't think so, right? Um, well, I was um, not really tours, but um, anymore, I like to run out and do a couple of shows and come home. <laughs> so, um, but I was out there on the road for a long time, and um, I loved that life. I really did. I loved that lifestyle and had a lot of fun and made a lot of wonderful friends. But um, as time went on and goes on, it gets a little bit more difficult to do. And, and here again today with the conditions in the world today, there's just way more going on than I feel like I need to deal with that much. If Man. there's something really fun, it's like I tell people all the time when they'll ask me about doing something, I'll say, whoa, wait a minute. You got to realize I'm not building a career here. I'm just trying to enjoy what's left <laughs> of this one. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, there's certain of the acts that I love to, to work with. And uh, I was thrilled to be able to go to Branson and work with Rhonda Vincent on her show oh. up there during the Christmas season. I always love to go uh, do some shows with Gene Watson, his band. I just love uh -huh. his band. And and uh, Mo Bandy is another favorite of mine. Because of the, we're so kind of different, yeah. and we're all close friends, but uh -huh. those packages work very well. And, of course, my dear friend Bill Anderson, I'll be with him wherever and whenever I can. Do you know Willie Nelson? Oh, very well. You worked well. with him? You're, are you on yes, his network well, or something? Tell me he's, about that. Um, he did a duet with me on this oh. latest project. And since you're in L.A., I will tell you this. When I first met Willie, uh, was when he was recording an album for Liberty Records called And Then I Wrote. And he didn't remember meeting me then because <laughs> I was just there at the studio helping. I always volunteered to work at the studios, do whatever they needed to do so that I could learn. 
And uh, but then he remembered me more out shortly after that, when one of my jobs at Imperial Record was to rent some offices. So I rented an office to Willie Nelson. Oh, and uh, so we met in 63, 64. Yeah. What, what is your favorite fondest memory working with Willie? It's um, oh, my goodness. There's so many. I was blessed to be able to open for Willie on his fair dates in uh, 81 mm. and 82. Those were just exciting summers. And uh, uh, just being around Willie and that calm that he's always got. It's just <laughs> always about joy and a good time. There's, a, you know, don't don't bring problems to Willie Nelson's camp. He doesn't want to hear them, you know. But uh, we just had a great time, and um, I was trying to think. Uh, I can't really remember right now the last time he and I really actually worked together. But we talk on the phone. I love. Willie. Of course, I'm a part of Willie's Roadhouse on Sirius XM, which is a total joy to be a part of that. Willie family. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about more about how like being on Sirius and how cool that is, especially to keep this going and be able to be part of country music in that way. Being on Willie's Well, I was so thrilled when they called me and asked me if I would be interested in doing an air personality shift because I hadn't really thought about it. And actually the, the way I more or less auditioned is kind of interesting because we do a fundraiser here for music health alliance which you know helps the entertainers negotiate insurance and everything like that that we don't really understand most of the time but anyway they called me to be a part of a roast for charlie monk and so I was delighted, Charlie, and I've been friends for years. And of course, he can really take all the jabbing. So it was just <laughs> delightful. Well, then uh, when I went in, certain circumstances going on, Charlie, just without realizing he was handing me all the ammunition I needed that <laughs> night to fire back at him. So it went really well and found out later that the top uh, people with Sirius XM were there that night. I hadn't met any oh. of them, didn't know. And so they, that's where I really auditioned. They said, well, if she's that quick on her feet <laughs> <laughs> on that, then we need her on the air. So I am thrilled, came up with the idea of Sundays with Seely, and it just kind of uh. caught on. And uh, what I try to do on my show, and here again, this came from a fan. This lady said, I love your show. She said, I love all the guys, but they tell me a lot of stuff that I can Google and find out for myself. And she said about the music, I like hearing what you talk about, how you decorate your house and how you decorate for the holidays and Aww. fun little stories and things people have said to you and that kind of thing. So that's kind of uh, what I focus on mostly is just um, more on a personal side. And I came up with another idea to do a phone call to some of my friends and they like to keep them short, five, six minutes. So everybody will give me at least that much time usually. And uh, so that's kind of the emphasis there is to find out what's going on in people's life. 
Wow. Fun stuff. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. If it's not fun, I pretty much don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look great. And uh, oh, apparently you still have a lot of energy to, to keep doing what you're doing. God bless you. You have Thank a long you. life. I have been very, very fortunate. Health-wise. I think it goes back there again, growing up so far out in the country in rural Pennsylvania. I never learned. We, of course, didn't have fast food <laughs> places. <laughs> and I never, uh, never acquired a taste for fast food. Um, I, I eat pretty healthy. And I've, I've been always been grateful for that. So let's talk about how you felt when you won your Grammy. Oh, my goodness. First of all, you know, that was only the third Grammy Award for a woman and only the fourth in country music, really. really. So it was so new. A lot of us really didn't even know. I say us, including me. I was so new to the business. I was still learning what a lot of things were. So I have to say that it wasn't until later on that I could truly appreciate what the Grammy Award that I was given meant. And to know that it's, that it's, um, that is chosen by your peers. You know, that means so much more. There's yeah, no, really um, you know, no, <laughs> no politics, no hype to it. <laughs> and, uh, also that, um, that it is not just the song, it is your performance. So that when I fully realized what that stood for, it means more all the time to me. I think my two prized possessions are my Grammy Award and my Opry statue. Absolutely. I was about to ask about that. So it felt (laughs) good, the Opry statue. Does that mean more than your Grammy? Because again, in country music, that the Grand Ole Opry is like. Oh, yeah. that's like asking me to choose between. People always say between their kids. I didn't have kids. That's <laughs> like asking me to choose between my pets. They they are both just so much a part of my life. They really are. A fun note on the Grammy. I mean, on the Opry statue, for the people who might have watched the show Nashville. Every time Raina James or any of them got a, a Grammy, I mean, a darn, a, a, an Opry induction on that show, it was my statue they saw <laughs> because wow, really? I live so close, you know. Of course, those are made up. Uh, at just They're not made up ahead of time. They're made for somebody. So I remember Pete Fisher, the manager, called me and he said, um, do you, could we borrow your Opry statue, you know, um, for a scene? And I'm like, no, I can't let you do that, Mr. Fisher. And he's like, we will take really good care. Of, I'll come and get it personally and I'll bring it back. And I said, sure, but there's a rental fee for it. I can't just <laughs> loan that out. So it, so, it uh, was a lot of fun. So you're in great company, the third woman to ever get an opera. Who are the other two, just out of curiosity? Well, the, in country music, the, fir- the first year they did uh, just a country record, and Bobby Bear won that in 1963 for uh, Detroit City. 
And then the next year in 64, they gave a male and a female. And my friend Dottie West won female for Here Comes My Baby. And 65, Jody Miller won it for Queen of the House, her answer to Roger Miller's King of the Road. <laughs> and then I won it in 66. You're in good company. Yes. Yeah. Now. I've been very blessed. I'm, uh, I think that I have... I love the the era that that I've been allowed to yeah, live in. It's just been a very special thing to to get to know these heroes and column friends. Were you able to work with Mar Marty Robbins? I'm yes. In fact, there's a video shows up every now and then on YouTube where uh, Dottie West and I were on uh, with Marty uh -huh. together, and uh, that was kind of fun. Yes. And of course, uh, at the Opry with Marty. And also, I got to ride in the pace car um, <laughs> for something out at the Nashville Speedway when he was racing, too. Now, it's also interesting, Jeannie, you took some time off and then went back in the 90s. What made you, the love of music, come back, right? The 90s where you made the your, your, your next run. What made yeah, I think a lot of that, had to do with I was living out in the country and uh, all of a sudden I realized that I wasn't participating in so many things uh, industry wise and you have to network in this business I thought well, I guess any business networking is very important but I realized that I just wasn't involved in everything because I didn't like that long drive out into the country by myself late at night, which, and things were changing. It wasn't as safe to do as it was the years before. And so I'd stopped doing that. So anyway, that's when I ended up leaving the farm and moving into this little cottage on the Cumberland and getting back involved with everything. And of course, when I bought this little cottage, we had Opryland Park a gaslight theater, TNN studios, the riverboat taxis, the General Jackson showboat. I was uh, right in the middle of <laughs> all of it and did everything there was to do. I miss all that. Are they not around anymore or just because of COVID? Well, they no, they closed the park oh. and which was a devastating thing to all of us in the industry and to our town, really. How about they, the water taxi? It was a terrible mistake, I think, because um, we literally sent our kids back to the street and we took away a lot of uh, first time jobs, not only in the music people like Dean Dillon, you know, was singing in shows out there in the park and developing their talents, but also the other kids that got work experience in all the little shops and and the rides and those kind of things. So it was very rough to do that. We still have the General Jackson showboat. And uh, that's always a delight when people come. I like to make sure they know about that and enjoy that. Is the park still there? They built something on it. They built a shopping mall. Of course. Uh, <laughs> it's they did the same thing in, in Honolulu. It's terrible. Yeah. I haven't uh, been there in a long time. <laughs> So before we get to Dave's question, latest project, would you say is the roadhouse? What else do you want to promote right now? 
Well, of course, I'm still promoting my album that we released this past August because, um, and we probably will work on that longer than maybe normal. But with the pandemic and the shutdown, we were we were limited on how we could promote an album, and that was that's the first time when you think about it. I've been on a major label since the '70s. So I've been recording all this time, but not on a major label. So I'm very proud to, to be sharing Curb. And Mike Curb has been a wonderful man for our industry. And I was so glad he was interested in my project. So we are still working on that. We're going to start pushing a second single. The first one was the duet with Willie Nelson called There's Not a Dry Eye in the House. And uh, I loved the, what someone described. Actually, Dallas Wayne, the songwriter on that, said, I love the interpretation you did because he said it sounds like a conversation between two old friends. <laughs> and, of course, that's, that's what that's Willie and I are. That, so that, I think, yeah. I'm sorry. I said that's the most important thing, that chemistry. That makes a yes. great song. Yeah. I think so, and I think it, look that, up. that feeling comes across to the listener, I think, too. So we're probably going to focus a push maybe on a up-tempo swing song that I reco- recorded that I think right now the title is pretty pretty fitting. It says, so far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so Dave's um, last question, final <clears throat> question, Jeannie, is evolving caregiving. I call them caregiver Dave Nassani because he's a caregiver. And he does great, uh, great message all over the world about caregiving. So Dave, go ahead and ask the question, Jeannie. You know, Jeannie, my wife uh, had a headache about 21 years ago. She was only 52 and it turned into a stroke. She lost her speech, became paralyzed on one side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down and it was at that time after a couple of year grieving period where we almost broke up. You know, she was angry and bitter most of the time because she couldn't talk. She still can't talk, but she can communicate non-verbally, you know, through Pictionary charades, a couple of games I'm still getting used to because I suck at. And she's in a power wheelchair. So we've we managed to travel all over the world now because she's got a great attitude and people look up to her and they're inspired by her because she does more than most normal people can. And I like to say, uh, since 30% of caregivers actually die because of their uh, stress in their life uh, before their loved ones do, um, anyone can become a caregiver just like that. They're either going to become a caregiver or need a caregiver. And uh, so I start this website, caregiverdave.com, to help out. I travel the country, been on TV, spoke at Harvard and NASDAQ and uh, Carnegie Hall. And my question to you is, um, how has caregiving touched your life? Well, like you said, you can become a caregiver in an instant. And three years ago, that happened with me, with my husband. Uh, We had gone to the opening of Ray Stevens' new cabaret. Everything was going fine. Two days later, he was in so much pain. We couldn't figure out what was going on. Took him to ER and and they had to do emergency surgery. And you've seen some of the lawsuits about the mesh that's given people problems. Right. And that's what happened to him. Mm. So he had emergency surgery, spent 33 days in intensive oh, care, five months in rehab. So he could learn to, when we went to rehab, he could not sit up. He couldn't turn over. 
nothing by himself. And today he works on those, walks on those elbow crutches, but, and has a brace on his foot, but he is, he is amazing. And like you said about your wife, you know, that spirit, that spirit never changes regardless of the physical things. And I can understand what you're saying about your wife too, because my husband dealt with that, with his former wife, she had a stroke and could not speak and mm-hmm. he was about the only one who could understand her so um yes caregiver is a, is a tough job but it's a very rewarding job to know that you can make such a difference in someone's life sure. by little things now that doesn't mean we don't sputter quite a bit <laughs> Because we do, because somehow I don't ever do things the way he does. I think sure. our major thing, Dave, is how difficult it is for me to steer while he drives from the other <laughs> seat. But I think it's amazing. The fact is that what you do for your husband and how you your service for your husband, such a great thing to be helping yeah. to help him and care for him. How was the toll on you as a caregiver? I mean, did it... Did it burn you out? How did you handle all of that? Well, I am very fortunate that I've had, you know, a lot of help. He's got three grown boys who have been Ah, just absolutely wonderful, but they all have their own jobs and their own lives. So, and I'm also blessed to have close neighbors. I mean, it's just, uh, if he falls, I, I touch a button on my phone and they're here right then, you know, so I'm very fortunate to have the help, but I think the loss of sleep in the beginning was (laughs) one of the hardest things. And then trying to, trying to keep my life and my career going. And I'm, I'm fortunate here too, because my husband, Gene wanted that too. He, he hasn't wanted me to stop what i'm doing so we work at it together as best we can you mentioned touring and work traveling and that's harder now because of packing for two is harder he's a big man his clothes (laughs) weigh a lot more and i'm handling the luggage so uh, that makes it more difficult but yeah, the rewards are there, Dave, and my hat is off to you because it can be trying at times, but I think stopping and taking a deep breath every now and then is, it helps. Uh, yes. God bless you. Yes. Thank you. And Jeannie, thanks again for stopping by. Where's the best place people can find information on you? JeannieSeely.com is my website, or I've got two places on Facebook, Twitter. Am I on Instagram? You have to look at Bev. Yeah, on Instagram. <laughs> and but, you said and, you were technical, not savvy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, also, you know, a lot of people in my age still like to write a note, and I still enjoy getting a handwritten note, and especially like cards. A lot of mm-hmm. my fans like to send cards. And um, I, a lot of times when I'm filling my CD orders, or uh, I will slip, I'll start bringing home the program from the Grand Ole Opry, and I'll slip that in with a, 
an order or something just for something special and because that people enjoy it. So people can always still write to me and care of the Jeannie Seeley and care of the Grand Old Opry, Nashville, Tennessee. They know oh, where we are. That's a good address. <laughs> You're right. fabulous. Let's hope you can get back to performing live someday soon. Let's hope for you. Like yeah. as, I will be there uh, on Sat. They've had me opening the Opry on Saturday nights uh, pretty regularly here lately. Yeah. So um, I'm, you know, that's just, I'm never more at home any place than I am on that Opry stage. I, it's a thrill. It's a joy every time I walk out there. So I'm well, you look I like you're in good be. health and that's a blessing. Um, and we walk and we've got those three wheel bicycles. <laughs> they laugh and point at us and we wave <laughs> back and laugh back. They don't know what we're laughing at. <laughs> well, thanks, thanks again, Jeannie. I appreciate the time and, uh, thank you. and God bless thank you and your family. And uh, thank you again for telling such an amazing story and really yeah. give us inspiration. Well, thank you. It's a great interview. Thank you. We appreciate you, including us and take care you guys stay well and keep doing what you're doing, Dave. God bless you. Thank you. You All too. Right. Dave, such a great service and same with you, Jeannie. Take care guys. All right. Thanks. That was Dave Sullivan. Take care. Take care. Neil Haley here. Lensec has been a sponsor of the Neil Haley show and total media network for around a year and a half. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about Lensec. Lensec has been a pioneer in IP security videos since 1998. The company is a trusted security partner with experience around the world. Lensec has experience working with customers in higher education, K through 12 education, government, public safety, critical infrastructure, healthcare, commercial, and more. The physical security experts at Lensec help customers develop enterprise solutions for their complex physical security projects using our flagship software, Perspective VMS. Lensex enterprise level video management software, Perspective VMS is a browser-based software that streams and captures IP security camera video. The latest version of PVMS uses HTML5 interactive features in a thin client application that is designed to provide real-time situational awareness. Access control and other advanced features are integrated into a unified security platform, creating an ability to track behavior and movement while monitoring the live or recorded video. For more information, please visit lensec.com. And now back to the show. Time to solve real problems in every education by answering key questions to ensure that every child can learn. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Every Child Can Learn, and I'm excited to welcome to the show Phil Maycomer. Phil, how are you? Very excited to uh, chat with you today on leadership for our youth, Neil, because we know that everyone has a different definition of leadership, right? Exactly. And so that's what all the such an important thing, leadership, you can lead in so many different ways. And I, and our guests today will definitely do that. But as we always begin, every child can learn. I come up with, I ask a question that Phil has asked people and our guests are going to answer that question with Phil. So the question is, how can you develop every child as a leader and maximize its impact on the education of a child? 
So Neil, the first thing that we need to do is to recognize that children are all individuals. They all lead in many different ways. And I think as educators, we need to redefine what the term leadership means. Now I have had the distinct privilege of connecting with two uh, educators and soul sisters based in South Africa by the name of Hasina Patel and Shamima Patel, who are co-founders and directors of the nonprofit Leave No Girl Behind International. And this is an organization that empowers girls worldwide through leadership training programs. And boy, do they really help others by giving them the tools to become more self-sufficient contributors to their world and their community as eventual adults. Now, you should know that Hasina and Shamima have been featured in national and international media. They recently created, which they're always creating and making a difference in different ways, something that's called the Unbreakable Tribe, and it's a community to support and connect women globally, giving them resources to build on relationships. But you should also know that their curriculum is not only for girls, it is not gender-based. So we certainly will open up these ideas to training young boys in leadership as well. And I also uh, serve on the board of directors for their Leave No Girl Behind School of Leadership. So I would like to welcome Hasina and Shamima Patel. Welcome to Every Child Can Learn. Thank you, Phil. It's such an honor to be here. Oh, my goodness. It's such a pleasure to have you share the wealth of your knowledge because I will tell you that I have heard you say, Hasina, that there is typically one definition of leadership. To quote you, you have said the term, most people define leadership as leading from the front. And I love the way that you put that. But you and your sister Shamima teach that there's many different ways that you can be leaders, especially through your six leadership principles. So I didn't know if to start with, you could share what your six leadership principles are that you train youth on. Uh, thank you, Phil. So yes, um, the six leadership principles of Leave No Girl Behind International are love, strength, courage, freedom, equality, and unity. And they guide every single program that we teach in our organization because um, that's, those are the guiding values and principles. And these six leadership principles really could maximize impact on a student's education, right, Shamima? I mean, I would think you have many programs with Leave No Girl Behind International. Shamima, can you mention a couple of them? Well, um, it does make a huge difference, these principles. And we have programs about getting to know yourself, like our Discovering Me program. We have power circles where girls get together together once a week and actually get leadership tools and self-development and self-worth skills. And then there's also our Mighty Warrior program, which is about teaching girls who they are, getting to know 
what their place is and sharing their light with others. Now, that just made me smile because I was involved in the Mighty Warrior program and I love sharing examples. In fact, an example is going to be in um, my second book that is going to be out in March of 2021, where I feature things from the Mighty Warrior program. Uh, you took each of your six leadership principles, aligned it to the PACT teaching framework as a delivery system of instruction that I've authored. And this is a free workshop that you can download on your website, right? Yes. And could you share your website right now so we don't forget, because I'm sure people listening to this are going to say, well, what's the website? I want to get the Mighty Warrior program. So, uh, Hasina, why don't you share uh, the website, please? Okay, so it's www.leavenogirlbehind.org. And I'll just spell that. Um, L-E-A-V-E, -E, leave. N-O, no, G-I-R-L, girl, behind, B-E-H-I-N-D, dot org, leave no girl behind, dot org. Thank you very much. So your six principles through a variety of programs that you are offering, although you are based in South Africa, your work is international and global, um, and for those of you from the United States where I am located, please know that this type of curriculum could be available for you to implement in your schools. You are training children to not just lead from the front, correct? Back to what we started discussing. So could you explain that a little bit more? Um, yes, full. What, what is really important is that, like you said, there are so many different kinds of leadership. And um, at the base of it is that all children are individuals and their opinions matter, their voices matter. And to us, um, leadership is really when your thoughts, words, and actions align with who you are inside. And that goes to... Um, that, that just goes hand in hand with expressing your individuality. And this is what, we, what we're teaching kids to do, whether they're girls or boys, but um, they need to express who they are, their own individuality, and feel safe to do that. You know, Hasina, I love the way that you outlined three basic things. And they're so logical, but sometimes I think they get lost thoughts, words, and actions. That's all a part of our individuality. And, you know, I always say that you cannot take your spirit out of the different things and tasks that you're doing. And when you have children in an educational setting, for example, say they're working in a science group together, they need to make sure that they are expressing their thoughts, words, and actions in their own individual way as partnering with their peers, right? Mm -hmm. And being yes. able to express that in a way that is assertive, cooperative, and not aggressive. Yes, I, I definitely agree with you that 
and especially in a group setting, you know, um, I think the whole thing is they need to be feel safe to express their individuality. Some of them will take charge and just, like we said, lead from the front, and others will just contribute and encourage their, their peers to contribute. And maybe others are going to just encourage their peers in um, different ways that say it, it's, it's okay, or what did you want to say or write down? Um, so, you know, they, they need to really tap into their imaginations too and, and feel safe enough to do that, that they will be encouraged to do that and not um, be disempowered by someone saying something negative. You know, that's such an important thing is that they can lose their interest. They can lose uh, their um, willingness to, if they're criticized in certain ways. When you guys agree that it's so important to have, be very empowering for them, teach them those leadership skills. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you can't be certain types of criticism works well, positive, but not negative and not things that can bring them down, right? Yes. Yeah. I and think. You know, um, go ahead, Hasina. No, I was saying, um, particularly when they're in their younger years, you know, if we just encourage that, then it will become a habit and um, to express the individuality. Uh, and I think it really is up to us, the village that raises them, the teachers, the parents, the all the other stakeholders in education. Yes, and I love your comment, Neil, about constructive feedback, because there's different types of feedback that we can give students. You know, one of the one of the ones you're talking about, Neil, is evaluative feedback. That's the, oh, how did it go? What are things that are your strengths? What are things that you can improve on? But there's also coaching feedback. That's the, you can do it, believe in yourself, right? And we need to make sure that we're balancing those types of feedback out to be able to empower children to want to stand as a leader, regardless of the type of leadership style they have. And Hasina, I like that you uh, gave the three different types of examples. You know, like you don't have to stand in front of a room like giving an oral presentation to be a leader. You don't have to take charge. You can encourage others. And I think that those were just such nice examples. I'd like to ask if I could, both of you, if you had to pick like the top three ways that you could summarize that are easy to do right out of the gate to help children align with their thoughts, words, and actions? What would be those top three ways? And you certainly could tag team uh, with both of you sharing. Well, I think one of the first ways is to create a sense of a safety for the children because mm -hmm. the child needs to be able to feel that they are safe and secure when they do express themselves and that that expression will be received. I'm writing that down, Shamina, because it's brilliant. Uh, safety is one of the first things. And what you're talking about, Shamima, is rapport building, right? Like kids in school 
or kids in their community are not going to feel safe unless they have trust and respect for the people that they're interacting with, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so safety is a top one. What else? Um, well, I would say that, you know, part of the the whole safety is like, how do we, how do we make them feel safe? Um, what do we actually say to them? What we'd say is, okay, this might be the way we do things or we've done things, but how would you do it? In other words, embracing their opinions too. And um, even as adults, you know, saying, well, I can learn from you giving them that message that, okay, how would you do it? I'd like to learn from that. And um, having them being able to use that imagination to be able to tap into it. Oh, and that's so, so, so important because um, we can learn from each other, Phil, can't we? Absolutely. Now, Neil, you have five children, right? Six kids. Six kids. You have six children. I, somehow I lost one of them there in the shuffle. <laughs> you have such a wonderful family. And, you know, every, I'm sure that every child in your family has a voice in a unique way but it's probably because you also make them feel like their voice matters. And I think that that's what Shamima and Hasina are trying to impart on our listeners is that the feeling safe to share your opinion and that yes. your opinion matters and teaching kids to problem solve, right? You know, um, I know a very, very close mentor of mine said to me years ago, uh, just related to my own educational project and my own team. Phil, if you're always going to solve problems for your team members, they're never going to be able to solve problems on their own. And it's so true because we're all helpers, right? All, all of us that are on this podcast are, we're doers. We want to help and roll up our sleeves. What more can I do? And sometimes you just kind of have to step back and say, what would you do? I want to hear your opinion on that. And so I love that. So I love the safety and then asking and, uh, and avoiding this is how we do it. And instead saying, how would you do it? Is there anything else you'd like to share? I also think one of the things that one has to do is give children through tools, programs, a way to get to know who they are, who they are. What are their thoughts? What are their beliefs? What matters to them the most? Yeah, I yep. agree. I agree. Um, so, yeah. And and Phil, if I can, if I can add to that, you know, um, and just kind of uh, w the first point we said was give them a sense of safety, and I think the third point is almost uh, like saying, in another context, take away their safety net let them explore, let them use the imaginations, let them see like, what do I like? Who am I? Um, how do I motivate people? How do people relate to me? How do I relate to them? How can I tap into all my skills and talents that I have because I have them? Right, right. And tapping into that individuality is the key. So I think that what we have covered today in order to develop every child as a leader 
and to maximize its impact on the education of a child is to help them discover their individuality, to also accept their personality, right? Because sometimes some children are shyer than others, right? Some are more boisterous and extroverted and some are introverted, but all can be leaders. And I think that the biggest thing I'm walking away with today is to have them believe in themselves and to give them tools of knowing how to believe in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is so important. Uh, yes. Yes. So I think to wrap up, why don't we share your website again? I would love to just be able to give you a virtual hug from across the miles to South Africa to Shamima and Hasina Patel for joining us on Every Child Can Learn. And I hope that we can continue a dialogue and have you back on. Well, that that would be awesome. And, you know, it's like I said, it's such an honor to be um, speaking with you and with Neil, um, because these are such important things that all of us who are stakeholders in education need to um, know to provide to the children. So I'm, I know you asked for our um, website address again. Yes, please. Um, yeah, which is uh, www.leavenogirlbehind.org. L E A V E N O. G-I-R-L-B-E-H-I-N-D dot org. Leave no girl behind dot org. Thank you so much. And on behalf of both me and Neil, we'd like to thank you for being on Every Child Can Learn. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Neil. It's been such a pleasure discussing all these important subjects with you. Thank you. Take good care. I appreciate everyone stopping by. It was such a great show. And that was, again, Every Child Can Learn. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening to Every Child Can Learn. Please visit Phil's website at aboutthepack.com for questions or comments. Celebrity Slots. Free spin. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today.